If you haven't heard the messages that have been coming on the um, in the evenings, in the Sunday evenings, which is Ephesians, you can download them. And even if you are here and you're hearing these messages or listening to these messages, um, then I'd encourage you to download um, what is being delivered and listen to it again. Like this morning's message. Man, that is, that's like full on, um, Florentine steak. If you, if you haven't seen a Florentine steak, it's, it's like half a wildebeest delivered up on your plate. <laughs> it's massive. When my wife and I were in Florence a couple of years ago in the restaurant, and I thought, oh, well, I'll have it on Florence, I'll have a Florentine steak. And you could hear the sort of thump, thump, thump in the, coming out the back. And we, we didn't know what that was until we left. When you walk past the kitchen, Doors, there was no door, it's just an opening about as wide as that opening is there and you could see right into the kitchen. And there's this massive slab of, of meat on the, on the board and the guy's got a cleaver and he's just jump and this big slab falls off and that's what you get on your plate. So it's a massive feed and that's what we had this morning was a massive uh, feed and the, particularly in the last three nights, um, what we've been given is it's a banquet, it's a king's banquet. Um, it's a king's banquet. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so there's a full-on meal that has been delivered, and you won't take that all down in one bite. Just like that. You're not going to be able to eat that in one bite. You've got to make your way through it. So I really encourage you, download the messages and have a, have a listen again and again and again. One of the things that... Um, that, that I heard just recently, and I, and I took it to heart. I thought, yeah, this is right. This is not a novel. And so tonight we're going to touch on, on two books, and they're two of my favourite books, and that read like a novel, but it's not like it's not a novel. And if we treat it like a novel, we'll only get the surface reading of it. But Scripture tells us to meditate on His Word, so we have to take it in and digest it and chew it over ruminate on it, you know, keep going over, allow that word because it's in the meditating on his word. It's where the Holy Spirit is active. You know, we heard this morning, the word of God, it's like it's a two-edged sword, sharper than a two-edged sword. So it comes to divide between the soul and the spirit or the flesh and the spirit. And when it does, it's, it comes to our consciousness to be aware because with the very thing that we've invited Holy Spirit in to come and ask to teach us and lead us, what he's fighting against within us is our flesh. And that's the very thing he does. He comes and divides between the flesh, the soul, and the spirit so that we can hear and we can meditate on that and allow then, Lord, I don't want flesh. I want spirit. And I want that light to stop flicking. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, and so, so that's why I say, have a look at this. So over the last three nights or three, um, uh, Sunday evenings, we've been talking about, um, covenant and it has been so rich. Tonight, it's going to be a little bit of a salad. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe a once over lightly. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll see. If anyone's got um, uh, TV and have seen there's, a, there's an ad about a uh, guy running around going, stop the weather waffle. Yeah. yeah. Well, last thing Ian said to me before I went out the door says, stop the Bible waffle. 
<laughs> so that, uh, okay, uh, I think that was encouragement. <laughs> Um, but you know there's um, what I really want to to touch on tonight I felt the Lord was just stirring my heart was about I know how he's arrested me about the marriage I've heard it said I've heard others say particularly to Greg you know yeah 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 the marriage okay isn't there something else we can move on to now now, I haven't said that. I've been perceptive enough to be able to go, okay, with the marriage, there's quite a bit that you're going on about it. And, oh, yeah, I understand that. I've read it. And in essence, I could say, and particularly uh, if you've heard this morning's message, you might get this. Yes, I can logos it. I can logos it right the way through. In fact, I've logos it so much, I know that it's there. But it's not until the Rema word comes, not just the written word of God, the declared work of God, for it is, is when it comes with the power of the Holy Spirit that it literally does. And I've experienced this. When the Holy Spirit, he'll either do this in a, in a manner that's in a manner of reproof, which is where I found it, or in a, in a, in a manner of, of lifting up in revelation. And it is literally like a jolt of electricity going through you. Boom. All right. I'm not going to do that again. I, 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 I've had the, 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 um, experience of working on gas appliances when I've had a, um, someone standing beside me while I'm moving some gas fittings inside a heater to see what a problem is and then actually have them turn the power on. <laughs> okay, let's stand away from the switch, shall we? Well, it was like that. There's no electricity involved, but it was the power of God that was just arresting me and saying, son, yep, okay, not going anywhere near that. But also when the word comes in power and brings a revelation on the word, it's like, wow, that has just hit me in here, and it's like my eyes have just gone bing, ah. Oh. My goodness, I've read that, I've logos that more times than I can count. But that has just remed me. A revelation has come and I've, I need to find more. I am hungry to find more. Okay, the logos word, the written word of God, the rema word, a word revealed by revelation from the Holy Spirit that I'm Parts power into you. You know, Peter, when, when he revealed, who do you say I am? Peter said, well, you're the Messiah. I said, that hasn't come to you via man. That's come to you from a father. It's a revealed word. What Peter needed, which was evidenced by his next statements, was impartation. So it must come with revelation and impartation. Okay, the power to now act on that revelation. So what I want to do is we're going to, and I hope you keep up. I, I, when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of Sam saying, all right, here we go. We're going to race through this. I hope you can keep up. And we are. We're going to actually race right through the Bible and touch on some scriptures all the way through. What the stop the weather waffle is, 
is for me not to actually go on about each of the verses, um, but allow them to actually stimulate something within you. And I hope my prayer is that um, your eyes, our eyes will be open to a greater depth of what the Lord is saying about the marriage. You know, Greg um, um, said the other day, and we'll just perhaps we'll just recap a little bit. Is it law or is it love? Are we living this this Christian walk by a set of legislation of law, things that we must out uh, outwardly act, or is it based on a revelation on on a, a revelation of love from which those actions will flow? Anne's at home; she's been fighting off a migraine. Um, this weekend. She didn't need me to come home and mechanically go through a whole bunch of things for her. Yeah, that would be cold as ice. What she needed me to do was to come home and connect with her heart and do those things that she needed me to do. There's a completely different way of doing it. And it's the same with us. He doesn't need us just to do mechanical actions. It's going to, not from law, it's going to come our outward expression of our love for him. So we've heard over the last three weeks about covenant. Have we listened or have we heard? The entire context of scriptures is centered and anchored in a marriage covenant between God and his people. The marriage, the marriage, the marriage, the marriage. If we really don't Get that, we will miss so much of this. I am fully convinced of it. Absolutely fully convinced of it. Partly because I've walked that walk and mostly because I know he's arrested my heart and revealed more of that to me and I'm hungry for more revelation of it. When I, when he, he alivened my heart in this, I realized all these scriptures that I'd seen and read before, suddenly I thought, oh my gosh, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. And I'm sorry to have to say everything that Greg said then just rang true in my mind and said, yes, that's what he was saying. Not because Greg said it, but because it's what the Holy Spirit is saying. My goodness, he could use a donkey to say it. Sometimes he has. I am doing everything I can now to stay on track. A contract is a solemn and binding commitment. It's a pledge of loyalty. It's identifying yourself with another person. It's more sacred than life itself. It's broken only by death. These things sound familiar? Do you remember hearing these? I'm going to recap and going over some of the things we've heard just recently. That we've been bought into this covenant. No R. We've been bought. We heard about five things regarding a covenant, that a, what a covenant is. Is to count the cost. God counted the cost. His only begotten son, only. Jesus Christ, one of a kind, one only like Jesus. What is in you is of the Holy Spirit, said to Mary. Clearly she was of humanity. Jesus declares 
that he is the son of God and declaring it really. I am amazed more again I see this of how much Jesus was in the face of the Pharisees. But he was so, so clever how he did it. Little things that he, was, that he would say. You know, the, God is the father and I'm the father's son. We might read that and go, oh, okay, God's son. They heard that and went, somebody stone him. You just made yourself equal with God. You're saying you're God. People would say, nowhere Jesus said, I am God. For those who can see it, they know exactly where he's saying it. You know, when um, I was just listening at it where the um, where he's coming on the donkey and the children are singing this praise, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're saying, stop, stop them singing. Have you heard this? From the lips of children's and, from children and infants, God has ordained perfect praise. And we, we hear that and we go, well, that's sweet. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Um, if I said to you, a stitch in time, what's the rest of it? So when he says from the lips of children and infants, God has ordained perfect praise, he just didn't finish it. He, did, he just said that. From the lips of children and infants, God's ordained perfect praise. Because they knew the rest of it. To silence the foe and the avenger. That's you, Turkey. <laughs> and so all the way, he's, he's you know, using scripture to declare who he is. The covenant exchange, the robes, the robe of righteousness for our filthy rag, the belt strength, his strength for our weakness, mask, our weakness masquerading as strength. Weapons, the princely sword for the sling and alignment together against a common enemy, his spiritual word, the sword. You know, I loved hearing that. You know, I hadn't heard that before, that the, the alignment together against a common enemy. Held up the hand. And there are nail holes in it. So we're, we in a sense, we were holding up our hand. We're saying to the enemy, it's not me you're taking on. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the armor of someone who's got nail holes in them. It's him you're taking on. That has to be a, rev- a revelation in me that I can stand in his armor. Cutting a covenant, blood sacrifice. The mark of the covenant, the sign in the hands, the covenant meal, bread and wine. The Last Supper, setting in place of betrothal, our part in a covenant. If we don't see what this is, we will miss the very heart of what he's doing in there. And and again, we've heard this, we will make it something else because we don't know what it is, so we will. And it's the scripture is full of the things that we will make it. We will make it about healing, about evangelism, about casting out demons, about all the outward acts of the things that we race out to do and miss the very heart of what it is about, which is the preparation for a marriage. Those things will flow out of it because of the preparation for the marriage. But if we miss that, why is it? And we'll touch on this um, as we go through. Hopefully we'll get there. The, why is it there are five foolish and five wise? Why isn't it that there are five non-Christians and five Christians? That they have to be Christians. 
So what is the issue? We heard about the relational test, a relational commitment. Not a missional test. It's a relational test first. Love the Lord your God with all. If that is true, you cannot say you love me and hate your brother. You might not like what he's saying, (laughs) but you must love him if you say you love me. Until I hear what the ears of the spirit and realize, oh my God, you're bringing such a a love word to me. I can receive that word. Then I will love others. So if I love him, I'll love others. If I want to know if I love him, check how I'm loving others. Here in Matthew 10.34, don't think in your own understanding. Don't, don't think by your accustomed thinking. Lay that aside to think by the understanding that's renewed your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. Understand that way. Think that way with a renewed mind. Brings a sword that will divide between the flesh and the spirit, as we said before. God first before other relationships. All are invited, but they but had things stopping them. This was great. Thank you, Kurt, for bringing this. Three things that we will seek first. The scriptures are declaring: land, possessions, oxen, job, work, married, relationships. These were things that the people put up who said, "Come to the wedding." Oh, yeah, kinda. Let me just seek first to be, to being made ready. And to be worthy for the marriage to come. Being made ready, worthy, fit for the calling to be his wife. Hopefully we'll just keep going over this, over this until we get it. The missional test. Who do you love and live for? Comes from the place of relationship. The rich young man walked away when confronted with relationship over a mission. What is it that I must do? Well, you must surrender everything. All I am is yours, except that. All I am, but not my wallet, is yours. Why? Because that actually has hold of this. Uh Uh-oh. It's not all, is it? Oh, I love this. John fourteen twenty one. To have his commandments, to love him first and keeps them as the one who loves me will be loved by the Father and I will disclose myself to him. Riddle me this. Is Jesus a liar? No, he's not. So if he says he will reveal or disclose himself to me, he will. If he's not, the issue is not him. It's got to be me. Now, I can't make the revelation happen. But what I can do is create the environment where I'm on my knees, 
where I am truly hungry and thirsty for you. I'm so hungry for you, Lord. Oh, Coro Street. <laughs> Actually, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll make a confession here. I'm so hungry for you. Oh, Fraser, that's cool. <laughs> Fraser. Oh, why did you say that? Come on, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, stay on track. Stay on track. Stay on track. Stay on track. Come on, bring it back. It's good to laugh, but honestly, this is serious. <laughs> this is serious. So let that other stuff go. Let Fraser go. If he's getting in the way, I've never realized how funny Niles is. But it's not funny if he's in the way of my love for my Lord. Do exactly as the Father commands. Laying down life for friends. Friend, a covenantal partner. We're in covenantal partnership with Christ and with each other. Would I lay my life down for Pam? Now, I say this just for this for this night where would you be on one of Wellington's 15 fantastic days in a year <laughs> yeah where the sun's shining and it's not blowing a gale <laughs> you know where would you be in the coldest room in your house to prepare for tonight And yet I want so much the revelation of him and what he's sharing, what he's preparing, that I would willingly lay down my one of 15 sunny days, <laughs> two actually if you count yesterday, for this, for you and me. There's no cost. There's no cost. It's a covenantal partnership. The bride of Christ is not me. I am hopefully in the bride of Christ. It's his choosing. It's not, I don't believe it's one person. It's the body. Do you see what I'm saying? And the commandment, the commandment of God deals with the issues of the heart, not the commission. And the true mission is to lead people to God, not to a mission. So let's look at what he has for us tonight. Do you know, do you know that you're special? Sounds like a Max Licardo book. But do you know you are special. Do you know you've been chosen? You're chosen from before creation. What for? When I say I know, I mean do you really know? Do you know you've been chosen to be one with him? I've, I've heard up until this message has been brought here, 
at the rock, I have heard of the salvation, the gospel message. You're a sinner, you need to get saved, you need to get to heaven. It never fully made sense to me. There was enough stirring within me of a desire to know God, to know that I, I needed to give my heart to the Lord, that I, that I was in deep doo-doo without it. But I needed to do that. But it never quite made sense. What? We were going to go to heaven. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to be with Anne and our children. Well, that's fine while they're children. How does that work when they get out, when they become adults and they've got their own children? Well, okay, now that's kind of blown that. Oh, I don't understand it. Oh, never mind. We all go to heaven and be running around in a grassy fields and it'll all be fine. There's something that is much, much bigger than just get saved, get to heaven. The entire context of the scriptures is centered and anchored in a marriage covenant between God and his people. And you see, when you know something, there's a shift that happens inside. When I've walked this walk without this understanding... There's a effort, there's a struggle, there's a what do I do next? What's the next conference? What's the next seminar that I've got to go to? What's the next bit of learning I need to get? How much more can I know? And in the next conversation, how much more knowledge can I drop? How much more logos can I share? Quietly humble. (laughs) What a joke. Actually, it's an affront. It's a pharisaical spirit. Until the Lord then brings revelation and he has to me about the marriage. It's like, oh my goodness. There's a shift that takes place now. I want to know this stuff so that there's a working that's being done in here that's preparing me and making me ready for this purpose. If we know Everything makes sense. The other weekend we had um, the Connect Dinner at our place. After it's all finished and, and we've done our thing, the next day Anne said to me, said, Hun, how do you think it went? I said, oh, I think it went really fine. She said, oh, I think it went really, really well. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think so. Why do you think it did? And he said, oh, oh, I'm not sure. I said, I think you do know. You see, you knew the end from the beginning. We sat down and we talked about what was it going to be? What were we going to do? What were we going to cook? How would it work out? So when we decided, oh, you were going to have a lasagna, oh, yeah, we're going to get all the ingredients, we'll cook it, get it ready, da-da-da, put it in the oven this time, da-da-da-da. Now, in the middle of all of that, um, something changed tracks. I was taken out of the picture for a while before I went back, but everything went accordingly and went well. Even when we were sitting there and had all the ingredients laid out, just for the sake of it, we had two onions. They had to be chopped up. What are you? I'm an onion. What are you? I'm a lasagna. It's the same thing. Oh, you're not, you know, I'm just an onion. No, you're not. You're a lasagna. Why? Because I can see here. I can see it. It's already, I know what's going to happen. When I know what's going to happen, I'm going to participate in what's going to take because I am this. God knows the end from the beginning. 
He knows, he sees it. And so we've got to get revelation of this so we can see what this is. So then what do you say? I'm the bride. I'm involved in his work, what he's doing. I hope you can, hope you can grab that. So let's just quickly start in scripture. Let's go to, someone turn to Genesis 2.24. While you're looking at that, um, even right, this, remember the concept, the thinking is the, the, the context of all of this is a marriage taking place. So we're right at the beginning here. Genesis 2.24. Even, even early in that, when it talks about the garden, the word garden is a word that's used, um, in, in a descriptive sense. It can be used about a bride. And it's the hemming in, the surrounding and the protecting. When the garden was set in place, it was surrounded and protected and the man was put in, in the garden. So even just some of the concepts that we might lose sight of just because we read garden and miss some of the, the nuances, if you like, of the heartbeat of what God's doing through this. So here we are right at the start. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. Right here we have two becoming one. It's a marriage right at the very start. Jesus quotes the same verse in Matthew 19 and uh, Mark 10. Paul quotes it in Ephesians 5. So we find it starts to spread through the scriptures. Genesis 24, 2-4. Let's just turn there. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Thank you, Lord, we don't make deals like that now. I want you to swear by the Lord, that God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country, to my own relatives, and get a wife for my son Isaac. Sorry, I'm going to have to jump between these glasses, especially while the light's out. Um, here we have even just another little hint of something that's going on. There are typologies that are out working here. And if we don't have eyes to see about the marriage, we might miss it. Abraham has a typology of God, Isaac of the Son and the servant of the Holy Spirit. In this little account, the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the servant remains, Eliezer remains unnamed. He doesn't draw attention to himself. He has a task that he's going to perform. Listen for the links and the similarities. The father has one son that he's looking for a bride for. Where's the bride going to come from? His own family. So he's going to the father chooses the bride. There's a little hint of of the Hebrew um, marriage ceremonies. This sort of woven through all this. There's no Hebrew marriage ceremony that's outlined in scripture saying, do it like this, but it is built up out of the, the principles that are laid within scripture. So the father sends the Holy Spirit who goes and looks for the bride. 
What's, what's, you know, there was no, it wasn't like he didn't have a satchel. He had a bunch of camels with him that contained the gifts. When he goes to give the gifts, and remember, this is taking place um, after the sacrifice or the, the offering of Isaac. So in a sense, Abraham actually did kill Isaac and did receive him back from the dead, even though he didn't stick the knife in him. In a sense, it had already happened because it already happened as hard. He was prepared to do it. The angel of the Lord said, stop. It's interesting. If you hear what he's, what he's um, prior to that, I mean, we talk about Abraham's faith. My goodness, what about Isaac's faith? Actually, it wouldn't be like that. Probably like this. Tied up. And his question, what did he ask his father when he was carrying the bundle of wood up the hill, getting close? Got the fire, got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? What's his answer? What's Abraham's answer? Finish it. God will himself provide. Some translations will say God will provide himself a lamb. Now, that may just be nuances in the English, but it's interesting when you realize that was something, a prophetic example being outworked of something that was going to happen in the same location centuries and centuries later where the Father did provide the Lamb himself, Jesus Christ, to actually be sacrificed in that same place. And so from that point, effectively, when Isaac had died, he goes silent. His name's not mentioned in the accounts to the next mention. Where did Eliezer, or the typology of the Holy Spirit, the servant, where did the servant go to get, or what did he go to get? A bride. So in the time from the sacrifice to him getting the bride, He brings the bride to Isaac and the next mention of Isaac is Isaac marrying his bride. Who does Isaac represent? Jesus. Where was the next appearance of him? At a wedding. Just touching too on that... um, of where he went to get. He said, swear to me, you will not get a choose a woman from the Canaanites, effectively from the world. So where did the bride have to be chosen from? His family. So where must we be? In his family. What do we need in salvation? We need to come into his family. Why? Out of his family, he's going to choose a bride. When we start to link all this, start. oh my goodness. There's far more to this than just I got saved. Okay, we're going to jump, jump a little bit um, to Ruth, the book of Ruth. Uh, if you're struggling to find Ruth, Ruth is um, after Genesis and before Revelation.
So Ruth chapter 3, page 192, everyone. <laughs> oh, my print's way too small. Two books in the Bible, my favorite books. I said earlier on that they, they read like novels. And, and again, this is where I've got to make sure I, I stop the Bible waffle and keep on track because they are rich in revelation of God and of his, um, his handiwork woven through scripture. It's powerful when you start to look and to see. But as logos, it just remains information. The point is to look at that and ask, Father, will you grant me Holy Spirit to teach me and lead me into all truth that Christ has revealed in me by looking at this? Otherwise, I end up with a chest puffed out and I'm a Pharisee if I'm just spouting information. And please, I do not want to be that. So we see in, in, in the story of Ruth, um, Ruth is a Gentile. She's from out of the tribe of Israel. And yet she is, she is one who has found to be faithful, to be true, to be kind. So without giving you the full rundown on the book of Ruth, I encourage you, it's only a short book, to read it and ask the Lord just to speak to you. But you'll see in there where she comes in from uh, um, Moab, I think it is, and she comes back into Bethlehem. It's funny that it's in Bethlehem. And she she has no husband now. The, um, her her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law, all the men had died. So she remains faithful, and she hears you hear these famous words that are quoted from hers as saying, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. In a sense, I am making a commitment to you, Lord, I give you my heart. I ask you, forgive me of my sins. And I come into your family. I go now to my God and your God, Jesus says, to my father and your father. This is the exchange that's made. What what a win-win for us. Here I am, Lord, and I come into your family. Your God is my God. Your Father is my Father. Your people are my people. Your business is my business. My business is your business. So I'm in the family. So she sticks with Naomi. And in that time when she's there, she is faithful. She is kind. She is compassionate. Sound familiar? She is loving. She is gentle. There's something outworking within her. In that, there's a thing called a kinsman redeemer. Someone who can redeem someone who's left without a husband. And with debts that we're owing. Do we owe a debt? Man, do we owe a debt. A debt of love. A debt of gratitude. In that while you were yet sinners, you're dead in your transgressions and sins. A dead person cannot do anything. They cannot do anything to save themselves. Something else has to take place in order to give them life. Something did take place. The Spirit of God comes, brings conviction, and gives you the opportunity to say, yes, Lord. So the kinsman redeemer can step in and take that debt upon themselves, pay that debt. Sound familiar? Why? Um, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, can see what's happening in the story and says, this guy, Boaz, he is a good man. He's a kinsman redeemer. 
you need to do something. Following her leading, she goes and lays down at his feet to uncover the corner of his garment that would wake him up and he would be left with a choice. He knew exactly what she was doing. She was asking, will you redeem me? And and uh, Naomi, will you marry me? He covers her. Who covers us? Christ. What for? What was Boaz going to do? Marry. See what I'm saying? As you start to read these things, you start to draw the connections, go, this is more than just Greg saying, it's a marriage, it's a marriage, it's a marriage, it's a marriage. Liverpool won, it's a marriage, it's a marriage, it's a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) You know? It's more, it's more, it's more, it's more. And when we start to realize it, start to realize, Lord, you cover me for a reason. You want to marry me. Another book, Esther, a little bit further on. Again, an odd book. I think, and I think, and someone can read it and then come back and tell me. And again, it's a short book. I don't even think it mentions God in it. But when you know how to look through it, you'll see it is absolutely riddled with promise. It's a beautiful story of another, of an orphan girl. Who are orphans? It's a beautiful story. Do you know, even in this, I'm sorry, you're going to get a bit of Bible waffle now. (laughs) The golden thread of God woven through scripture for his purposes will not be thwarted. Saul was told, kill Amorites. They must be wiped out. Saul loses his kingdom, his authority, because he chose to disobey and didn't kill Agag the king. He let him go. From Agag comes a lineage that goes all the way through to Haman. David has an encounter where there's a guy called Shimei. As David is leaving uh, the town, and Shimei is standing up, Blessing him and encouraging David. Kind of (laughs) not. He's swearing at him, yelling at him, cursing him, throwing rocks down on him. David, remember? We all know who David is, you know? (laughs) Where are you, Goliath? (laughs) So maybe somebody could have said to Shimei, you know the guy you're throwing rocks at? The guy that killed Goliath? (laughs) Maybe you don't want to throw so many rocks. From Shimei comes a lineage that goes through to Mordecai and to Esther. And so the one who David decided to spare has a lineage that goes through to the one who has to kill the one from the lineage of the one that Saul didn't kill in the first place. And so completes a word of, of what was required from God right Right back. So we need to 
just see that God is weaving through his purposes right the way through scriptures. And in Esther, we see this young maiden who's um, brought into the kingdom. And hopefully we'll get um, an opportunity for Chris. I know he's been looking at this to be able to speak a whole lot more to this. But she's one who you'll hear say, who knows that, but that I was born for such a time as this, that she was prepared to lay down her life for the nation. She appears before the king unannounced, totally reliant on whether the king's going to accept her or not, and is well within his rights to go, and her life was over. And so for the sake of her nation, she steps forward and gives her life. She didn't die, she was accepted, but she didn't know that until she stepped forward. She was prepared to lay down her life for her brother's. You know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more in the story of Esther. How she is prepared, how there's a time of waiting, how she's um, been selected, how she's got ears to listen, how other maidens choose to do what they want to do and how there's wisdom formed within hers to listen and do something that the others didn't do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that because I know Chris has got it and I'm looking forward to him sharing it because a beautiful, beautiful picture. There's a touch in that about um, uh, Esther, how there are gifts received and gifts given and a heart to serve. So we're going to jump to another book now, to Psalms, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of the hand. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display his glory. There is no language of voice where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to the ends of the earth. The sun is like a bridegroom running its course across the sky. What an odd thing to say. The heavens declare the glory of God. Mars is up there. Venus, Saturn, Pluto. Oh, look at that. The moon and the sun. Oh, the sun's like a bridegroom. (laughs) Where did that come from? They knew exactly what he was saying. Because the bridegroom comes out of a pavilion to be seen to come and get his bride. How much more clearer can the sun rising up and he's setting in the west for everyone to see be a picture that's yelling out, there's a bridegroom coming. It's beautiful if you've got eyes to see. The book, The Song of Songs. Man, that is a weird book. (laughs) If you don't have eyes to see. It's it's full. You've got teeth like goats. (laughs) And I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot as you look into that and, and I was just quickly um, skimming through some stuff on it and I thought, my goodness, this is so rich 
with um, typologies and analogies that's screaming out actually about um, a relationship. Not just the relationship between a man and a woman, it's said of, of um, Solomon speaking of his bride. But it's a typology, a picture, and it's said of, um, of God to Israel and of Christ to his bride. I mean, look, there's all sorts of, of um, theories on it and what have you, but I know what he's spoken to me in my heart. I know what he's revealed to me of his love for me through it. I know when I wake in the morning and that there's that stirring in my heart that beats like that song of songs and just yearning for him. And as he's spoken to me through the song of songs, some stuff I don't get yet and don't understand, but that's okay. I'm trusting he brings revelation. And I'll feed on what he has given me. And I just found out today, it's interesting, that the Song of Songs appears in sacred writings of the Jewish canon as one of the five scrolls, along with, funnily enough, Ruth, uh, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and, and, funnily enough, Esther. In fact, the Song of Songs first is, appears first in the section and is read at the first Jewish festival, the Passover. When we understand what the Passover is, suddenly the Song of Songs takes on a new light. Because if we understand the Passover was not just a, 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 an encounter to say, look, you've brought us out of Israel, um, and that, you know, you've, you've, um, you've had a sacrificial offering. We understand that Christ is that Passover lamb, and that he made an offering to us that they all understood what was Song of Songs about? It's this love connection between a groom and a bride. What's Passover actually about? If it's not a love offering between a groom and a bride, if it's not a covenant that's being cut, suddenly the Song of Songs takes on a new a newness to it. Here we get a glimpse of the Hebrew wedding, and there's in that wedding there's a negotiating, a match from the father seeks out the bride for the son, just like we saw for um, for Abraham. A price is paid by the father of the groom to the father of the bride, which is mostly given to the bride to take into the marriage. There's a in the Hebrew wedding this thing called the ketubah, the wedding contract that was signed and made, and the betrothal was established in the bride, where the bride actually has a choice in this, just like it was for um, for Rebecca. Do you want to? She could have said no. Do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You you can reject it. Yes, I yes I will accept that cup. Do you know what you're accepting? You're now accepting a betrothal to him. I will not drink of this cup until I return in my glory. Why? Because there's another cup that's um, carried out through this um, betrothal. The first is, you committed to me? You're going to be mine? Great. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We're now married. You will live in your father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to give you gifts and I'm going to come back and get you. And when we come back, we're going to complete this deal with another cup. There's bread and wine involved. Bread of life. 
I am the bread of life. His blood. Sealed. I tell you, man, there is so much in this. It's crazy. And the betrothal of the woman was legally married, although she still remained in the father's house. She could not belong to another man unless she was divorced. She couldn't get back. It was only, remember, only broken by death, that covenant. The wedding meant, the wedding part meant only that the betrothed woman, accompanied by a colorful procession, was brought from her father's house to the house of the groom, and the legal tie with him was consummated. So she already was married to him. What's different is that she's now moved from the father's house into her groom's house. So whose are we right now? We're his. In the sense, whose house are we in? Because we're still, <laughs> still here. <laughs> you know? So he's going to come and get us to take us to be with him. But she's not of her father's house. Not anymore. You're not of this world. You're of another world now. You're betrothed to somebody else. And what's going to seal the deal? I'm going to give you gifts. Oh, I don't know. Apostle, prophet. (laughs) To build you up. I'm going to do a work within you that's going to be gold, silver, jewels, precious stones. What the gifts that are given from the Father to work within you. Why? What are you going to do with those things? Where are you going to go? Him. So what are you going to be able to give him? The work that he's done in you. Because anything else is made of... (laughs) It's going to get burned up. My goodness, when he told me that, I said, Oh, oh, oh. Lord, please help me. I don't want to be wood, hay, and stubble. Lord, I want to be gold. I want to build gold, silver, jewels, precious metals. It's for you. The only thing I've got to give you is you yourself, what you've worked in me. And he'll say, good and faithful servant, come. You'll bring that in with you. What into? The marriage. She brings the gifts that were given to her into the marriage. Proverbs five fifteen twenty one. Drink from your own cistern, your own well. There's a wellspring of life. It's Jesus Christ. Drink from your own well. You know that that series on um, through Proverbs five fifteen twenty one. It's something that that he's spoken to me about, and it's a choice that is firmly established in my heart. It says, drink from your own well. May the breasts of your wife of your youth satisfy you. That means don't go wandering. Drink from your own well. Who's our well? Christ. So while we're in this betrothal period, where am I drinking from? Spiritually speaking, from the well of Jesus Christ, or from other wells. Are there other things that are, that are actually taking my time that I'm feeding on, that's taking me actually away from him? The book of Ezekiel. Oh, man, this is a, this is a powerful passages. 
Ezekiel 16, 1 through to 14. Alrighty, here we go. Ezekiel 16. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of Canaanites. Uh, your father was an Amorite and your mother Hittite. On the day that you were born, your cord was cut. Nor were you washed with water to make you clean. You were rubbed, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on, on you with pity or had compassion enough uh, to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live! I make you grow like a plant in the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew and you were naked and bare. Later I passed by and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Again, doesn't it sound familiar? I covered you. There's a garment that I covered you with. I entered into a covenant with you. The book of Hosea. Right through the book of Hosea. It speaks of God's love through the marriage of Hosea to an adulterous wife and his continual going after her. Timothy, and, uh, Timothy says, even when you are unfaithful, I remain faithful to you. So remember in this covenant, there's a covenant relationship that's been made. So in this betrothal period, it says, you covenant to me, I covenant to you. Yep, great. If you go wandering, there's an issue for you to deal at. But me, I'm faithful. And I will remain faithful to you even in your unfaithfulness. As you are going out pursuing other things, I am still standing here ready at the door knocking because I'm pursuing you. If you don't surrender to that, you'll suffer the consequences of your of your wandering. But if you hear that and turn and come to me and repent and come to me, I'm faithful to you. I love you. It's how much I love you. So I will remain faithful to you. Hosea is a beautiful picture of that. Man, what a prophet. What a prophet. Racing through. Jesus' first recorded miracle, John 2, 1. On the third day at a wedding. Amazing. Water of purification, pure water, a wellspring of life, becomes new wine, better than the old.
John 3.29. Let's just turn to that. I've I've read it, I don't know how many times. And then just um, a little while ago, a few, well, a couple of years ago now, I read it. And I thought, my goodness, why on earth did he say that? Now I know. Starting at 3.27. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. And now it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. John had sight. John knew who Jesus was. They were related. John leapt in his mother's womb when Mary came to him. They must have known each other as children. And yet when he saw Jesus Christ, no longer, I think it's cousin, I know who you are. You're the bridegroom. I mean, if that doesn't arrest us, a bridegroom. What's a bridegroom come after? A bride. So where's this bride? Oh, go look in the mirror. Among uh, Matthew eleven eleven, Luke seven twenty eight, among those born of woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Why that? Why make that statement? Of all who were born of woman, so now actually dealing with this physical realm, there's none greater. That's a pretty big statement. Think of the Old Testament um, prophets. Think of Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, some of the powerful men of David. None greater. And yet, even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Because there's a transaction. Something has changed. The law and the prophets were up until John What changes? The very thing that they were prophesying by. You search the scriptures, and in them you think you're going to find life in the Logos, but you won't. The Rema is standing right in front of you, and I want to breathe on you and give you that life, but you won't believe. Scripture tells us that they refuse to believe. I'm right here in front of you. If you don't believe me for what I'm saying, bang. Oh, on the Sabbath, kill him. Kill me? I just healed a man. You're worried about the fact that this guy got his life back. And you want to kill me? That's crazy. I am the one of the scriptures. They're pointing to me. And now I'm coming to give you this promise that the very thing, all those scriptures are pointing through right up until now has taken place. What's his message? The kingdom of God has come. If you don't understand the kingdom of God, you won't know what's come. 
You won't know what's turned up. And I'm right in front of you. And the very thing that they prophesied and those who got it saw in advance and lived for, even though not receiving it in their own lives, knew it wasn't for them, but prophesied it and lived it anyway for us to receive now a marriage. And that the hope of glory would be in me. Man, that has got to change my life. That has got to pick me up and go, oh, I don't know what's happening because it happened the other Sunday because, oh, both feet were off the ground at the same time. And I know it's a miracle when that can happen. I can clap in time (laughs) and still sing just as bad. (laughs) But something has arrested me, says, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You're talking about a marriage. You're talking about a union. God with me. That is what got up their nose. Why is it Matthew 25, 1 to 13, five foolish virgins, virgins, five wise virgins? What was it that the five had, had an understanding of? Remember, we're thinking of this right the way through from Genesis. We're carrying on this whole line all the way through. It's a marriage, it's a marriage, it's a marriage. The betrothal, entered into the betrothal, the commitment. They had entered into a commitment. It's all right. It's all right, Rodney. (laughs) They entered into commitment. They knew. Usually it was 12 months. 12 months time, what's about to happen? They knew. What are they going to be doing in that 12-month period? They were going to be getting themselves ready. What were they probably going to be making? <laughs> pajamas. <laughs> Wedding pajamas. There's a new, <laughs> you know, a garment. A garment. You know, we know as we read through the scripture, we find it says that, you know, the righteous act of the saints, they're the garments. I mean, this is something that I've heard, and just the other Sunday or the other day, I thought, oh my goodness. I've always heard it, well, I, you know, I need to get my righteous acts going because there's a garment being made for me. The righteous acts of the saints are the garment that's prepared and given to the bride. Not me lining up going, where's my garments? <laughs> Something wrong with that picture. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And his work being outworked in me. So these five wives were ready. They had their lamps. They had the oil in the lamps. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. (laughs) But it's true. If you understand what is singing, it's not just a song. He's saying, what's the, the other song that we're singing? It's to take me through the crushing. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Crush me, Lord, keep me burning. Squeeze me, Lord, keep me burning. Get the rubbish out, Lord, keep me burning. The work of the Holy Spirit is done in me. The Holy Spirit typology, the olive, but the oil is representative of the work of the Holy Spirit that only comes out when you crush it. Ooh, My way is a narrow way. It's a crushing way. Why? Because that other stuff has to come out so this can be produced in you and then seen for what it is so that I'm ready for you. 
Oh, Matthew 25:10. And while they went away to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. It's our part in this time of waiting in the covenant to be preparing and getting ourselves ready. Remember, right at the start, it's not about us racing out to do these things. It's a surrendered work out of love, not of law, that we will do these things. And the sacrifice of myself has found out that it is a sacrifice of self, not an act of self. Ephesians 5.25 to 26. Husband loves your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the rema. How are you washed? Not by the logos, by the rema, by the revealed word, by the revelation word that's hit within you that goes bang. Oh, that's got to go. That's going to change because it's been revealed in me. Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the twain shall become one flesh. The mystery is great. It's a profound mystery. But I speak in regard of Christ and of the church. Remember, Christ is the model, the example we are to follow, not him of us. We in our marriage don't set the example for Christ in the church. Christ is the model that we follow as his love is shown for us. As his love, his act of that, what I just said before, is a sanctifying cleanse with the washing of the Rema word. And it's an outworking of us within our marriages, within our relationships with each other. It's the sharing of the word, allowing the Rema to take its work within here. Revelation 19.6.7 And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as a voice of many waters and the voice of the mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. There's a change of words here that's all the way through tends to use the word bride. Now it says, and his wife has made herself ready. Has has, not still asleep, running out trying to get oil, has made herself ready. And to wrap it up, Revelation twenty two seventeen. As I said the other Sunday, just think about this. We think of it from this perspective. A young couple, you know, going to get married, the bride so excited, getting the dress, getting all that stuff done. It's all wonderful and great and it's all awesome and beautiful and thing. Think about the guy. In this scenario, I love you so much. I have laid down my life for you. I'm going to die a very horrible death. I'm going to be marred so much that I'm not going to be recognizable as a human. I'm going to have my beard ripped off my face. I'm going to be mopped, spat on, have a crown of thorns jammed on my head, stripped naked, whipped and flogged to which within an inch of my life, nailed to a cross and die. I'm going to pour out all of my blood because I love you. 
And I want you. I will pay the price to get you in so I can have you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back for you. Do you think Jesus is in heaven going, oh, Liverpool. (laughs) Fraser. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. No. I've, I've just told you what I went through. I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. Do you think he's not anxious? Yeah, in the right sense of that word. Do you think he's not? (laughs) I want my bride. I want my bride. I'm preparing a room. I'm, who's the room? (laughs) aren't we living stones being built into a temple in which God himself will dwell? I'm looking for my bride. I'm waiting. When does he come? When the father says, go get your bride. Suddenly it's no longer about us. It's about him. It's always been about him. And he's doing a work and he says, the spirit and the bride, the Holy Spirit and the bride are saying, come, And let he who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life, Christ himself. Father, I pray that we would be a people who are saying through eyes of of seeing, through ears of hearing, that you are coming for your bride. That we would be the wise virgins who are being made ready, that we'd be of the wife that has been made ready and being made ready. And understanding that, ready and willing to lay down our lives for each other because we understand the purpose of the marriage of the Lamb. And when we read your word, Father, I pray for for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who brings the Logos alive into Rima within us. This speaks of the marriage. And a love so, so dear. That you would empower us and compel us. So we're active of love that pours out within us. And that we would be the people who also say, come Lord Jesus. Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise that's due to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sweating. <laughs> now there's some questions. Where are we going for time? All good? There's some questions there to ask, and really they're just a dialogue around. And be, can I, uh, be honest. Be honest with each other. And ask. Ask the questions and dialogue. Amen.